Well, I was down at my dad's yesterday, and he was like, you know, you got to be careful when you're buying a house. You don't want to be underwater in a mortgage. And I'm like, do you think being underwater in a mortgage is worse than renting? And I saw the gears (laughs) turn in his mind. I saw them turn, and then I think he just kind of abruptly changed the subject. (laughs) (laughs) You Look, you're correct, but saying so would be painful. So uh, uh, how about (laughs) the lions? Yeah, how about them lions? Uh, newsflash, they fucking suck. They always have, at least since <laughs> since I was born. <laughs> I mean, pretty much since ever. Yeah, well, yeah. they had Barry Sanders for a little while, and I know that because there was a Barry Sanders poster in my room when I was a child, and then that's yeah. all I know about the lions. <laughs> They've been riding that train since before I knew what football was. So, Hell yeah. Yeah, but... Mario is finally hey, gotta... calmed down after after rampaging around the office, which is nice because <laughs> I'm not. Uh, she's she's going to get dinner at the normal time and not early like she has been accustomed to on these recording days. Mm. Uh, although now she's up again, so who knows what kind of mischief <laughs> is going to happen? <laughs> just tearing through the house, you just hear weird clattering on the recording. She's like yeah. digging into my partner's desk and pulling out papers and being like, I'm just filing. I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> Maru's working on getting her admin assistant certification. <laughs> she deserves a, a really good wage for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Some, sometimes I think the only thing standing between me and untold success is learning how to use Microsoft Excel really good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny. They talk about, oh, we've got all these incredible AI solutions for making your business run better. And it's like, yeah, but you know that 90% of the reason that business runs is because one admin is good at using Excel and does basically all the work. It's insane (laughs) how powerful a correctly functioning spreadsheet can be. Mm -hmm. And it can literally dictate like what a dozen person work team even does during the day. I remember working in accounting and they were like, this Excel sheet that you're working on is like the most important thing in this entire project. So don't mess it up. And I was like, yeah, maybe don't hand it to the guy who got hired a month ago. I don't know. (laughs) Well, the other thing though that I've like the other side of that, that I've definitely noticed is that like, you know, for how much I feel like admin people get shit on. And I don't mean to be clear here. I mean administrative assistants, not mm-hmm. administrators. For it's like, oh, that's just the secretary's job. That's like anybody can do that job. And like at my new job, like the people that I found that are team tend to be the most important in any given department are the admins because they actually have been there a long time and know what's going on. And everybody <laughs> else is like, uh, I don't know, ask you know, the admin who's been there for 20 years. And it turns out those people are actually incredibly important when they're not there. Shit just falls apart. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It, I'll have to you, teach you don't really... Maru that, you know, like, she's <laughs> like got to get a good cat job to pay the cat rent. You know, <laughs> you know how it goes. Oh man. Isn't that like, so I, I assume she hasn't been, you know, hunting to try and, and pay her part of the rent. <laughs> uh, she does a play of it. You know, there's like a moth in the house or something like that. And she'll be like, look at me work. You come on. I, I'm doing it. And then she doesn't catch it. And then she goes and just takes a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, good honor, honestly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you know who that's a hell of a lot more work than? 
the fucking CEO of Medieval Times. I'm segueing oh. <laughs> us into the episode. We're jumping into the show, everybody. <laughs> your number one labor podcast my name is john i'm dan and i'm lena and we're entirely listener supported so thank you so much for supporting us on the patreon because we are an entirely listener supported show hop in the discord if you're not in there already if you don't have stickers yet message us on patreon and if you want to help the show a little bit more leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. but dan what were you saying about perico montainer (laughs) (laughs) that is the name of the ceo of medieval times and I just wanted to mention that guy real quick, because we've previously talked on the show a few times before about the campaign to organize the workers at Medieval Times and the efforts by their union, Medieval Times United, to bring all the squires and knights and queens and, and all the folks that work there together into a union. And also mentioned how that's been opposed with a rather uh excessive level of spite and pettiness mm-hmm. by the CEO of Medieval Times, Perico Montaner. And that has escalated as of last week to an even stupider level than it was already at, because I think we've mentioned before that the company has been attempting to sue the union mm-hmm. over the fact that they use Medieval Times in the name. Uh, apparently they think that copyright means that if somebody works for your company, they can't name their union after it, which I don't <laughs> I mean, think that's how that works. <laughs> it's literally not because you can have the exact same name as a company. If you don't produce the same thing, basically like yeah. you, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty much, you know, if you're not in the, they're, they're a union, they're not in the, the fucking like entertainment industry of produce like i mean technically the workers do that work but the union itself is technically not that you don't see boilermakers unions getting cease and desist letters from bands called the boilermakers just saying (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and and i mean i think this is one of those cases where i'm like i feel like we can just do the howard schultz test which is if this was a real thing howard schultz would have done it already like yeah, he would have tried to sue Starbucks Workers United over their name, and since he hasn't done that, it clearly can't be legal. And yet, just out of pettiness, the Medieval Times keeps this shit up. And the part that escalated last week was that because they are suing the union over copyright infringement, they then went to Facebook and TikTok and basically made copyright strikes against the accounts of the medieval times union and that worked and TikTok and facebook took down the groups well the, i think group in the case of facebook and just page in the in the form mm-hmm. of TikTok, and it's like oh no these are banned because of copyright yeah i mean i i really can't imagine a world where a tech company wouldn't jump at a, an opportunity to shut down a union's page as well so probably a lot of different things coming into confluence there yeah, so that's the whole story. There's no deep bit to this. I just wanted to mention that and to very specifically say, fuck you, Perico Montaner, you petty, spiteful shithead uh, who does literally no work and just 
reaps all the benefits from the incredibly hard and dangerous work done by the, the workers at Medieval Times. And so solidarity to those folks that are organizing. Uh, I hope not only do you win back the right to actually have your social media pages, but uh, also that you take over the company. Yeah, and you, you defeat know, Perico in single combat. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's, it is a little funny, though, because I was looking up this person to hopefully get a uh, customer service number, you know, or something like that. But, uh, you know, that, that, was, that was pretty hard to track down. But what I did track down was information that his father started the company, and his father was the uncle of some sort of what, land duke or something like that. So he's literally... <laughs> Like <laughs> some sort of like legacy royalty or 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 something wow. like that. I mean, that's how you get a name that stupid. It's one of the only ways. <laughs> or you just start calling yourself that. That's the Reddit route. Yeah. But um, <laughs> speaking of companies doing terrible shit mm-hmm. and workers fighting back, uh, we just have a, a, another really quick story. This is a follow-up. We had recently announced, well, not announced, but... We'd recently discussed the fact that workers at REI in Cleveland have announced that they are, you know, pushing for a union vote there to become the third unionized store in the chain, and that REI basically immediately started union busting and trying to shut it down. But I wanted to highlight this because the workers have taken to a a level of extremely successful direct action here, where what... REI was trying to do is something we've seen many corporate bosses try and do, which is fuck around with the bargaining unit size in a union election to try and tank it. Basically, they argued that like a full half of the workers at the store somehow for arcane legal reasons shouldn't be in the bargaining unit, essentially trying to kneecap the union before they could even have the election. But... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but thankfully, you know, the the workers didn't just sit around and are like, well, all right, well, this is stupid, and so we'll go through the court system and and we'll 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 get it hammered out. They were just like, no, that'll take forever. <laughs> what if we just uh went on strike? Yeah, you know, instead of quote unquote proper channels, we'll use the real proper channels, That's which is right. a strike. Yeah, and being exactly what the company did not want them to do, unsurprisingly, it fucking worked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so the workers at the store in Cleveland, they walked out on Friday, refusing to return to work until the company stopped interfering in the union election and trying to basically disqualify half of the voters. Mm -hmm. And in one of the fastest successful strikes I think we've reported on in just three hours... REI caved to the workers, pulled their challenge to the union's bargaining unit size, and agreed to let the election go forward without further interference. So, like, less than a half of a shift was enough to to force this victory by the workers. Mm-hmm. What I think is great about this is that this sets a really great precedent for the REI union that uh, even in these cases where they're, they would be fighting more of a, a protracted legal battle, they don't necessarily even have to do that. And they now have the proof to go to each of the people who may not really know the labor struggle process as much or you know, are, are hesitant for certain things like strikes and say, uh, this works. We literally got it to work. 
And so yeah. I think that that is a really great and auspicious uh, start to their union. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I mean, what a what better way to really cement that solidarity that they've already been building at this store in, in, in their union drive than by this, by demonstrating their real power and exactly what they can do with the union. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this is really, I think, just a clinic on like how to use direct action to shut down repression by bosses. And I just wanted to, you know, tip our caps to the workers at REI in Cleveland and look forward to their victory in their union election. Absolutely. Yeah. They've been doing really great outreach work on Twitter, too, when their uh, management subsequently locked them out of the building. They like posted a video of it, of their bosses coming out and just delivering the same, you know, bullshit that you hear from every manager. Oh, nice. <laughs> Pretty good tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of repressing workers, last year in September, we covered the Heine Brothers coffee chain in Louisville. And we actually kind of referenced it. I think it was last week as well. Uh, just as kind of a celebration of Louisville. It might have been the week before, but either way, uh, you know, the the kind of uh, union wave that's happening in that city. Well, uh, last, ye- last year, there were 17 of the 18 coffee shops under the Heine Brothers coffee chain that had unionized. And one of the things that they uh, did as a union was attempt to get back a ton of stolen tips because mm-hmm. this is going to be kind of part of a, uh, a series of, of shorter stories about wage theft that's going on. The biggest industry in the United States, maybe the world, I you know, but at least here. And uh, so since 2020, it has been illegal uh, federally, I'm pretty sure. Was it federally? I wish I would have put that in there. I don't know. Yeah, since 2020, it's been illegal for managers with hiring and firing power to receive tips. Uh, And that's, you know, basically anyone who can be in a union is allowed to get tips. Anyone who is not allowed to be in a union cannot get tips. You know, it's pretty pretty simple there. Yeah, it looks uh, like this was a... This was a revision to the Fair Labor Standards Act mm -hmm. in 2020, where I guess the language in it was vague, and so that had been used to allow managers and supervisors to collect tips, but it was clarified in 2020 that, no, this is actually only meant to apply to hourly workers. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think there's an exception that allows managers to accept tips for services that they solely and only provided directly themselves during a workplace to the customer. I think even that probably shouldn't be left in there. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to look into it more. But the company didn't stop stealing tips at that point. And it happened so much that they actually had to be officially reminded in July of 2022, where the company claimed it had been stealing tips in this way ever since the company's creation. <laughs> kind of more yeah. of a ju- as a justification than an admission, but it really was like, what are you doing? Well, like, it's kind of funny because they're like, what do you mean we can't do this? We've been doing it the whole time. And then you're just like... That's worse. You see how that's worse, don't you? <laughs> that's my favorite exactly. defense, which is that we I've been doing this for years. How could it be illegal? It's like, no, but did you make the connection? Those two things don't affect each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the company was finally ordered by the Department of Labor to pay 492 workers a total of $300,000 in stolen tips. Oof. Which uh, is half of the amount stolen and then half in damages, which actually if anything, shows the very first time we've reported on a repercussion for a company. 
Yeah, I mean, like, that was the most surprising part of this story to me. The The second most surprising was that a company that's, I mean, Heine Brothers has a bunch of locations. I think they have, like, 20 total, so it's not tiny. But, like, $300,000, that's a lot of stolen tips for a regional chain. So uh, I was first impressed by that. But, yeah, by far, the biggest bombshell in this story is a labor violation that actually has punitive damages attached to it. That never happens. We love to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I I was really surprised, honestly. But the next story that we're going to cover in this mini-series is not great. Well, I mean, I guess, I don't know. We're going to go over it, and you can make your decision on how uh, it came out. The final result is okay, but it exposes a much bigger problem. Exactly, exactly. So there, uh, we've talked about how care work is uh, often really exploited. Uh, in certain cases, there are 24-hour care workers. That's right, working 24 hours a day. Uh, and this woman, Alita Ao had been working uh, with people with mental disabilities and won a wage theft suit against Meadow Vista Assisted Living in Denver for the amount of 325000 to $762,000 just for her. She cared for eight people and was made empty promises to the bosses when she complained about having to work nonstop. She even said that sometimes her mother would have to cover for her when she needed to run errands. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> wow. It, just to, to, to give folks, I guess, some framing for this, if they haven't listened to our previous stories about how hyper-exploited care workers are, in a lot of cases, home care workers are heavily screwed over by laws which allow basically for their employers to pay them for only 13 hours of a 24 hour shift with the justification of like, Oh, well, no, yeah, it's a 24 hour shift, but that's cause you're on site for 24 hours to, to do that work. They have to let you sleep for eight hours and give you three, one hour meal breaks, which of course, uh, anybody who's ever met a home care worker and talk to them for five minutes mm-hmm. can tell you none of them are granted eight hours of sleep and three one-hour meal breaks uninterrupted. That that does not happen. Oh, yeah. No, they treat Absolutely. you like you're salaried, basically. Like, no, I mean, it, if anything cases, happens, you have to do it right now. And it, they well, treat it you makes, like an indentured servant most yeah. of the time. <laughs> you're not exaggerating at all because in 2016, or no, no, I mean, when the court was going over this, uh, wage theft case, it ruled that in 2016, she worked 149 hours a week, which averages out to 21.25 hours per day. Which... That's, yeah, just I, unfathomable workload. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't even imagine. And then, so at the start, so she was hired in 2015 for $3,000 a month to do this amount of work. Which, 36 grand to pay for eight people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so this was, when averaged out, much below minimum wage. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> pretty blatant when you think of 21.25 hours per day, every day, and mm-hmm. it only getting you $3,000 per month. Well, I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll take home three. $3,000 per month working an hourly job 40 hours a week making 20 bucks an hour. 
Like that's not a wage for somebody who is putting in three and four times as many hours as any other workers expected to. Yeah. Well, and she's a, she's a really nice lady and was finally fed up in 2021 when she realized that she wasn't being compensated due to basically non-existent overtime and, you know, the hourly wage that I mentioned was below minimum wage. And so she filed a lawsuit. Remember, that was in 2021. It is currently 2023 when yeah. this story actually came out. So it took two years for her to finally get money for all of that unpaid time dating back to 2015. Well, and I think the other thing, I mean, there's a million things that are so awful about this story. Like, you have the one good part, <laughs> and I, a lot of this comes out of a really good video that a More Perfect Union put together covering this case. And you have the good part at the top of, she's actually getting her back wages awarded to her, which is great. The, but then you have all the problems of like, the only reason that's happening is because she figured out how much she was being exploited and took her employers to court. And mm -hmm. there's so for like every worker who does that, there's a hundred who never find out how much they're being exploited, who don't have the, I mean, who, who aren't able to actually take their employers to court. And, it's the whole system is just completely fucked because it, again, the only people policing this just as it is every other fucking industry is the workers themselves. We have this whole department mm -hmm. of labor that theoretically is supposed to track this stuff and they don't actually do any of that shit. It's the workers who have to bring all this to their attention. Well, and workers right. are, are never encouraged by any authority figure in their entire lives to brush up on labor law unless they right. happen to be a part of a union. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely and this is a case where she was working for one particular employer but other sorts of care workers experience other sorts of exploitation like being segmented between two companies doing the exact same job all the time which is also illegal and we've covered mm -hmm. before there are so many different ways in which mm -hmm. these care workers are exploited and we're going to keep trying to cover stories like this to try to make sure that if you've got a family member who is a care worker who is being exploited in this way, then, you know, maybe it's pretty fucking illegal what's happening. <laughs> it's actually pretty likely. Yeah, but absolutely. We've got one more wage theft story that we want to hit about Kroger and how they created this wage system that was you know, supposedly new and improved, but it really was new, broken, and ruining people's lives. Yeah, so we have talked about Kroger many times on this show. They are a horrible company. They are the largest grocery store company in the country. They own a whole ton of different chains. And uh, at least around this show, what they're most famous for is paying their workers uh, nothing. Basically, mm -hmm. uh, the we previously discussed there have been a whole bunch of analyses done by unions and, and associated think tanks showing that a huge portion of Kroger workers are just crushed by poverty because of how low the wages are at the company. And now Kroger's found an even better way to steal from its workers, not just by your your normal speed up and surplus value extraction, but wage theft disguised as software glitches. That's uh, your new 21st century form of wage theft that they're doing. So this is all coming out of a report in the blog Popular Information where they've talked to a bunch of Kroger workers and found that across their entire system, which is you know hundreds of thousands of workers, 
that they've been plagued by problems with a new payroll software system that the company rolled out last year called MyTime. Mm. And, and basically, what they're like, oh, this is going to make everything easier. It's going to be better. It's going to centralize the system. But there have been thousands of Kroger workers across the country who have now, since the rollout of this system, not been paid on time and sometimes not even been paid for weeks and weeks on end. And these are folks who are already, for the most part, living paycheck to paycheck. So any delay, much less weeks, can be crippling. Like, that can cost you your rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many of the workers have reported exactly what you would expect to popular information. They had problems like missing rent payments and bills, overdrawing their bank accounts, being forced to take out loans due to missing or reduced pay. And one of the workers said, quote, I'm tired of having to beg for pay that's due to me. And another worker said they didn't get paid for over a month, forcing them to resign. So it's also like this is having a lot of knock-on effects that seem to really benefit Kroger. It's a little mysterious that they rolled out a new thing that suddenly breaks and now it's like oh now everyone doesn't get their money and uh in the meantime what we're doing with it is just not known to you (laughs) yeah i think that uh the one thing that you uh mentioned in that list was the taking out loans the Mm -hmm. payday loans which is a huge exploitation racket that is that exists uh in our system which is horribly exploitative that leads people into having to take out loans to pay for loans and being in a perpetual cycle of debt while these companies make so much money off of the workers' exploitation on top of the original exploitation of the companies that they actually work for. Yeah, and then on top of that, the cash advance and payday loan places are also super exploitative and horrible to their own employees in the meantime. So it's just a cycle of shit. Yeah, uh, pay- payday lenders are the scum of the earth. Yes. Um, absolutely irredeemable. But um, so the thing that the reason we're calling this wage theft, because of course Kroger is just classifying this look, we got a new software system. We're a big company, we got a lot of different chains, it's a complicated structure. You got to give us some time. It's there's always going to be glitches with a new system. We're trying to make it work. Don't worry, everything will be fine. The problem with that is is that A, it's bullshit, and B, it also doesn't even matter because like it look, you are the company. You have the money. It doesn't matter if your system, your new software system is fucked up. You could just pay your people and figure the software out later. But they don't want to do that because Every single day that they delay paying their workers is a day that the money that they are supposed to be giving to their workers for Mm -hmm. their labor, with a far smaller share of it than the workers actually provide, is another day that that's sitting in their bank accounts collecting interest for free for them. So it's the whole system just incentivizes them to delay this and delay this and delay this and be like, Oh no, we're trying to fix it. Don't worry. We're on top of it. Meanwhile, they're making in all of this extra money off of interest that they otherwise wouldn't have because they would have had to, you know, give the money to the workers who they owe it to. Right. And that may seem like pennies, but when you actually add it up across thousands and thousands of stores, it not just being Kroger that, you know, pays people every two weeks or every month, you know, I mean, those companies are everywhere. You think of number every single company in the United States and add up all of that. It is a huge amount of wage theft. 
Yeah. And so like over the past few months, workers at Fred Meyer in the Pacific Northwest, which is a chain that's owned by Kroger, Mm -hmm. have filed multiple class action lawsuits against Kroger over this stealth wage theft campaign. Uh, Kroger has responded by attacking the workers for saying, like basically complaining that they didn't work through Kroger's own broken systems before they they filed these lawsuits, like being like, why didn't you go through the proper channels, quote, to pursue grievances, arbitration, and other remedies, end quote. Are the proper channels going to cut me a check? You know, that's like the real fucking question. <laughs> and it's like, you are the ones who are saying that your own proper channels don't work. Yeah. So, like, what what do you want them to do? <laughs> so... And the I, I think a crucial piece of context for this is just how filthy rich Kroger is. Like Kroger brought in $113 billion mm-hmm. in sales last year, and their CEO took home at least $20 million. Meanwhile, the average Kroger worker is often forced to skip meals or live out of their car because of how low the paychecks are, even when they're not being stolen by these software glitches. Right. Well, and like we said, you know, even if you don't go to a Kroger that says Kroger on it, you might go to a Ralph's or a Harris Teeter or a Payless or a Fred Meyer or a King Supers or a, Mm -hmm. if I kept listing them, the rest of the episode would be taken up, but (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And this is just one of those things that's so frustrating because like you can already kind of see the end game of this because of how, how much, how these usually go, which is there'll be some settlement where Kroger does not admit wrongdoing and agrees to pay punitive damages to the like one person who made the lawsuit and everybody else is just going to be, you get your money back. That's mm-hmm. it with no other damages. Cause that's how this shit always works with companies that are this big. And meanwhile, they will have made uh, orders of magnitude more money than this costs them in that interest that you mentioned before. Exactly. Yeah. And so one thing I did want to highlight with this is I do think that this case and so many of these other stories and just how bad this material conditions are for so many Kroger workers, I do think it points to the importance of the uh, UFCW reform movement that is growing right now within there to try and make the union more democratic, to make it more militant because like, I don't know. We like, this is just, it's not a sustainable system where we have these workers who provide such a vital service of making sure, you know, you and I can go get fucking food Mm -hmm. without which we would starve uh, that, that they're out there basically not able to not not even barely able to make ends meet not able to make ends meet because mm-hmm. of the how little Kroger is willing to pay people and so a strong UFCW that's more willing to actually like fight back i think is something that this comp- this that this country sorely needs absolutely yeah. Well, as long as we're talking about workers that provide an absolutely critical service, let's talk about the Portland City maintenance workers who went on strike Thursday, February 2nd, after being without a contract since June 2022. So that is close to an entire year without a contract. And the city is demanding that these workers take a pay cut of 0.5% by only giving them a 5% cost of living adjustment and a 1% quote unquote raise uh, in the face of 6.5% inflation, where the workers instead are demanding a 3.5% raise each year of the contract and to have their COLA 
actually match inflation, which is like that. It's so sad that that's something that you even have to ask for. Yeah, I mean, the, the stuff with the cola in this story is weird because, like, the basically the union is like, it's a cost of living adjustment. It should adjust for the cost of living. Mm-hmm. And Portland's city administrators are like, what if it was just a number? Yeah. <laughs> that what if he said. Yeah, what if it was just a thing on a sheet and we put any figure next to it? And also, uh, what if when you strike, we have management come down and fill in for you guys, which certainly won't negatively affect the infrastructure of the city in any way? Well, they absolutely absolutely did that. And not only that, but they also hired some outside contractors to fill in for the workers. Mm -hmm. And they said that there was no impact to the jobs, but yet... Still, on their website, they posted about how some services may not be available. Think emoji on that one. (laughs) There's no impact as long as anybody from the union is within earshot. Yeah. (laughs) All of the services that are 40% of the services are still operational. (laughs) I mean, these workers really do a lot of stuff that's important to a city. They fix your sewage and irrigation systems. They clean up biohazardous material. They plant trees. They connect people without houses. They meet to social services. And in return for all of the good work that they do for the city, they have been subject to intimidation by scabs. Local 483 union rep James O'Loughlin said, quote, I saw multiple people being bumped by vehicles going into the treatment plant it felt very intentional end quote to which i have to say why do these psychos always inst- they go straight for the cars they're like hit him with a car they want they want more money hit him with a car what kind of brain do you have to have like I, honestly it's it's cop brain because yeah. I, I, I actually this is going to be a very small tangent but i just finished <laughs> a, a, a book about the history of of unions on the waterfront Mm. and they talk about the 1934 west coast dock strike on that and one of the big tactics that the police used to attack picket lines was ramming them with vehicles so this is something that like the state has been doing for a long time and so it's just kind of rubbed off onto you know i guess scabs serving as parastate actors in this case right right Right. well and they don't stop there like even while these workers are facing getting you know run into maybe slowly i'm not sure by vehicles uh they're also getting called aggressive where they've had the cops called on them for for being quote aggressive where Lawlin said i didn't see anything like that take place all i can say is that some people have different thresholds for tolerating unusual activity (laughs) 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 which is a a pretty uh nice way of saying that the people who called the cops on them simply don't view them as anything other than a nuisance this is one of those things so this happens at like every picket line Mm -hmm. and the question i always have is which of these two scenarios actually happened? Which is one, uh, weird assholes called the police to complain about a picket line Mm -hmm. because they're weird assholes. Always a possibility. Or two, which is what I suspect it is in 90% of these cases, which is the cop showed up to fuck with the picket line, and then when asked why they were there, they said, oh, we've gotten reports of violence. Not even violence, aggression. (laughs) Can can I see those reports? No. No. Yeah. Well, and if it's not the cops showing up of their own volition, it is also the bosses giving anonymous tips to Mm -hmm. the police uh, because, you know, the police work for all of the bosses and the capitalist, you know, ruling people of our country. 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, even fed into the allegations of violence by picketers himself. And Local 483 responded by inviting the public at large to come join the pickets and see for themselves that there is no violence and condemn the attacks on legal picketing veiled behind these unfounded rumors of violence on the picket lines. And this strike did eventually lead to mediation with the city where a tentative agreement was come to after 12 hours and the union ended the strike without a membership vote on Sunday the 5th. The tentative agreement certainly reflects a sort of meet in the middle deal where the city won its COLA cap of 5%, but raises went from 1% to 3% in the first year, but we don't have any details on year two, meaning that the workers will not receive a pay cut, but are not getting very much by way of a raise. Yeah. And all that at the same time, the city council can actually just veto this TA. The, the, well, you know, they, they like... have to keep the city weird by whatever means necessary. So, <laughs> yeah, reading I, I like skimming through the contract stuff like it, it's it. this really does seem like you're like kind of the definition of, of a compromise deal where it's like almost exactly like midway mm-hmm. between the awful demands of the city and then the much more reasonable requests of the union. Uh, yeah, so I- I think that that uh, should remind us that one of the best things to do is make demands that are really high. Like yeah. when you say, uh, no, we want a 3.5% raise, just say 7 Just say 10%. <laughs> because then when they talk you down a little bit, you'll have gotten 5 and that's more than you really thought you would get in the first place. This is an ancient art called haggling. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And no, look, and it sounds goofy because it's like, that's so basic. You don't need to talk about it. I don't know. Seeing some of the deals we've gotten from some of the more business union, like oriented negotiating teams from some that we sometimes see. I feel like sometimes maybe they need to be reminded that you can haggle. (laughs) Hey, you know, one thing about you you ever meet someone who's really, really good at something and you ask them, how did you get so good? They're like, I practiced the basics until they were second nature to me. So going back to basics is sometimes really worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, regardless of any compromises needed to be made in order to end the strike, once again, as always, the workers got a better contract than they would have gotten had they not struck. And it only mm-hmm. took three days. So, you know, we can have some quibbles on the fact that the strike ended without a vote, which that sucks. Um, unions, please stop doing that. <laughs> but, I mean, look, they won real wage gains, better than what the city was offering. And we're very clear in pointing out that the mayor is an asshole. So, you know <laughs> what? I, overall, I think... Con- Pretty good, pretty well done. Congratulations to the Portland City workers. Yeah. yeah. Well, and in our next story, we're going to see a pretty high demand, but one that isn't uh, one that I believe is the kind of haggling we described before, but one that is actually a very reasonable demand. But we're going to start mm-hmm. this story at the beginning and get to that part in a moment. So at Temple University in Philadelphia, 750 grad students have begun negotiating a contract or have been negotiating a contract for over a year. And at the end of January, they began their first strike in over 20 years of the union's history. The graduate students make less money than the average rent of the city because they make about $19,500 a year, where rent is around $23,000. It's, 
very simple math there. They are incredibly underpaid. This doesn't provide even a single dollar for things like food or gas. And over half of the grad students work for between $7.25 and $11 an hour. At the same time, Temple University has doubled its profits. Uh, This particular statistic is from 2021. Uh, to about $165 million after expenses. Most of the money has gone to the administration, and the president of Temple University is making about a million dollars a year. The school administrators have been have had the gall to uh, raise tuition 3.9% after that year's record profits. Now, to what I was kind of mentioning previously... The union is demanding a 68% increase in wages from that $19,500 a year to $32,000 a year. And actually, you know, I mean, I don't know. They should probably still be paid more than that. But when you're coming from such a low number like $19,500, $32,000 sounds pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, a 68% uh, increase is nothing to sneeze at. But I say go for 69 (laughs) 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 that's right right, that's right well and there are a couple other things they're demanding such as subsidies for child care and transportation uh the university has counter offered with a three percent per year raise with no subsidies and only 10 days of parental leave with the union's demand of 45 days yeah that's a normal thing to tell somebody yeah i know you just had a kid but she'll be back in two weeks right (laughs) (laughs) You want to go say, because that's the thing. I almost would, would want to be like, all right, fine. You know what? Look, we'll agree to the 10 days, but you have to tell the person in person each time that they have to come back after having a kid in two weeks and see how many of the fucking admin, like administrators will actually do that and be like, it yeah. has to be you. You can't have an underling do it. Right. And so with their their demands, they've also uh, complained about the healthcare situation, though their healthcare is covered for them as individuals, the actual family plans can cost up to 80% of their salaries. And so they are trying to demand that the university cover fam- the, the healthcare plans for their families as well. The university says... No, they won't do that because not even full-time workers get that. And that is an excuse just highlights exactly how important these battles for some of the lowest paid workers and the most marginalized workers are the most important and why this this union's victories would be a victory for every other union in the area and possibly even, you know, on a wider scale in the country. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really it's really crazy for them to say, like, look, the these other employees who are full time don't even have that. And it's like, well, maybe you're going to have to give them that. too. Exactly. <laughs> you know? the, the whole defense of we can't give you basic things. We don't give our other employees basic things. That's how we got so rich. Like, yeah. it's just, 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 I'm like you're not supposed to say that part. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many aspects of this story that are wild. Like this is how I learned that Pennsylvania only has the federal minimum wage mm-hmm. uh, and doesn't have a higher one, which I didn't realize. Like it's one of this is, again, this is one of those cases where it's yeah, 68% raise sounds huge until you look at the number. Like the fact that they're paid 
less than $20,000 a year, and most of them are, are paid close to, if not exactly, minimum wage. And then the company comes out and is like, you want health care for your kids? Like, I, I think one of the things that we've I, that has become clear with all of these grad worker strikes that we've been covering is that university administrators have a very specific image of what a grad student is. Uh, and that, that image is a pack, a, a sack of money that they can run away with. But mm-hmm. the other image is, is of a, a single, probably a single guy who doesn't have a depend who doesn't have kids, who doesn't have a partner, who has no other expenses, who does nothing but work and study. And that that's, and that, so the idea that like that person would have kids they might have to support and therefore need things like health care. Just they're like, this is a ridiculous ask, despite the fact that grad students are often, you know, in their 30s. So, of yeah. course, a lot of them have kids. Yeah, a lot of them have families and responsibilities. I mean, it's very similar to what you hear about people who work in fast food, which is those are jobs for teenagers. Right. And it's like, that's ridiculous. Have you ever gone to a fast food restaurant? Yeah. And, and it also, it, it even you can even take that other further step back, which is just like, I don't care what your image of the person who works at this job is no matter what the job is, whether it's a grad student worker, whether it's somebody who works at McDonald's, if you want that person to work for you so that you can extract profit from their labor, you have to provide whatever benefits that is that that person needs to reproduce themselves. That's the bargain of capitalism. Mm -hmm. You, if you're going to do your whole capitalist system, you have to at least live up to that part of the bargain. And that means things like a minimum wage that people can live on and basic health care and all these other things but they're these they're so fucking greedy they won't even live up to the basic bargain of capitalism which is already based on exploitation yeah yeah so I mean, anyways yeah i mean we heard from bethany kosmicki who is a member of the union organizing committee who said in a statement outlining just exactly how temple is responding to all of this quote temple's administration has repeatedly ignored our demands refusing us fair pay affordable dependent health care and increased parental leave tas and ras are a core function of the university teaching essential courses and conducting world-class research we deserve a contract that reflects our value to the university and quote right. absolutely fucking correct yeah well and you know as the uh university has denied that they will provide this expanded health care they have actually gone even further by responding to the strike itself by cutting the grad students pay health care began billing them for tuition and threatening international students with impacted visas The school has also attempted to turn undergrads against their grad student teachers, telling them to report to classes that have been struck against and report their professors for absences. Uh, They've also threatened to discipline any faculty or university staff who've shown up on the picket lines in support of grad students. They have threatened people people who show up in solidarity. Yeah, like this is... I mean, we've dealt with a lot of really bad university administrations, but this is one of the most like scorched earth mm-hmm. wars against a, a strike that I've seen from university admins. Because, like, you have the you have the administration at Indiana that comes to mind, who just like refused to acknowledge that the union exists. But he, I don't even think they have been like, "Oh, you guys want a union? Well, fine. Uh, we're taking away your tuition, and also we're cutting your health care, and also all this like." 
This is basically, this seems like the university president is like, the student workers are striking? How dare they? Yeah. Like, they're taking it as, like, a personal affront and have therefore declared war on them. They yeah. are literally releasing some hounds away from <laughs> being Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but luckily, they have seen some solidarity from outside of the university as well, where Teamsters Local 623 has pledged their support to the strike by refusing to deliver to the campus across the st- and not to cross the student picket lines. Uh, activists within the facility, uh, within the faculty union, have called on their co-workers to honor the strike and refuse to scab on the grad students. Uh, so that's that's pretty good. I mean... This energy is also fed ongoing efforts to unionize the undergrad student workers at Temple University and uh, members of Temple Temple University Undergraduate Workers Organizing Committee to walk. Uh, <laughs> I think it's just to walk. Yeah, I mean, there's just two U's in there, so I yeah. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> I love Turok. Uh, I really prefer Turok too, though. Yeah. Uh, they have also shown out to support the grad students on the picket lines, and so we sh- would love uh, for people to show their solidarity, especially if they're in the area. There has been a call saying that uh, if you're in the area, that the bell tower at noon at noon every day is when they're on the, doing most of their picketing. So if you're in Philly, head Hell on yeah. over there and support the workers. And I know some of you are in Philly because when I lived in Pittsburgh, approximately half my friends left the city to go to Temple University in <laughs> Philly. So don't lie. Go support these workers. That's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. And yeah, full solidarity with the temple workers in the face of this ridiculous response from the administration. Mm -hmm. Like, this is just ludicrous. But, you know, real quick, not a full story, but we just wanted to throw a quick congratulations out there to the student workers at Johns Hopkins University, who became the latest student body to join the surge in labor organizing in academia this past week when they won their union election with 97% of votes in favor, just a ridiculous landslide. We're not going to break that down in this episode, though, because later this week, we are going to be sitting down with some organizers from their union so we can hear direct from them how they won this huge victory. So we're very excited for that. Yeah, minor spoiler, they were with the UE, a union that we have historically talked very fondly of, and so it should be a really good interview. Become a patron and uh, get that one right away. Super hype for that. Siri, play Open Eye Signal by John Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Damn. yeah. That's, I'll, uh, I'll put it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, keeping with the theme of this episode, which is public worker strikes, we've got yet another illegal teacher strike in Massachusetts. So, on Monday, January 30th, so it's a week ago from the day we're recording this, Schools in Woburn, Massachusetts shut down after the Woburn Teachers Association walked out after failure by the city to agree to their very reasonable terms uh, after a very long period of negotiations. And so these teachers are fighting for what else? The same thing that teachers are fighting for in every one of these strikes. Are they fighting for raises? Sure. But what are they really fighting for? Smaller class sizes for their students. That's been the consistent demand that they're fighting for as well as pay for the lowest paid workers at the school, the paraprofessionals. And so 
the city of Woburn would, of course, immediately attack the teachers, being like, but why would they do this? We've been bargaining in good faith. We've been offering competitive <laughs> raises, and neglecting the fact that all they ever talked about was basic raises, never offered to increase class sizes, nor did they offer to focus on the lowest paid workers. And so, like Eric Scarborough, who is a history teacher at Woburn Memorial High School told the Boston Globe in an interview, quote, my concern is to really get proper investment through this contract in the education system of Woburn. That's what we really want, end quote. Because that's the thing, like these are always, they, they always attack the teachers by being like, they're hurting their students just to line their own pocketbooks, which I still don't understand how people can say that with a straight face because everyone knows teachers are paid dog shit so like i don't really know who they're even appealing to with that well and also that's exactly what school administrators do it's pure projection yeah Uh. yeah absolutely and so yeah like along with smaller class sizes to help the students and of course better raises for the teachers because you know we're dealing with record inflation and woburn is in a very expensive part of the country it base it's basically the same living conditions as boston so uh, extremely expensive cost of living there but the big thing that they've been fighting for money wise is not necessarily for full-time educators but for paraprofessionals you know support staff in the school who faculty rely on in order to be able to deliver education to the kids and the paraprofessionals in Wilburn have been paid horribly. Their, their base salary was $22,000. Like you can't, I don't, I don't care where you live in the U S you can't live on $22,000. No. Certainly much less fucking Boston. And so the teachers have been demanding that that salary be raised to at least $27,000, which is, this is a, one of those things that you can manipulate by just po- pointing to the percentage and be like, that's, that's a 25% increase. That's so high. And then you, but if you look at the raw number, it's just mm-hmm. like even 27,000, I'm like, fuck, double it, make it 44,000. Like that, that sounds a little fairer as a starting point. To well, me. And it's all perspective <laughs> too. Cause it's like, they shouldn't have to ask for a 25% raise that Correct. just dis- puts on display how fucking low the wage is. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. And So the teachers for themselves have been asking for raises of 4.5% a year for their proposed three-year contract. Certainly not a a ridiculous demand. Those first two years alone would be needed just to cover inflation. So not exactly huge raises. And yet, Woburn Mayor Scott Galvin called that, quote, outrageous. It would cause funding problems going forward. It would be a bad deal for our taxpayers, end quote. Oh, no, not the taxpayers. This always reminds me that, like, are the teachers not also the taxpayers? Mm-hmm. Every single time. It's always it's always teachers versus taxpayers, teachers versus parents. It's like teachers are both of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And the teachers pointed out, whereas he's just, you know, his heart, Mayor Galvin's heart just bleeds for the taxpayers while the city is sitting on a surplus of $68 million. Woo! We are two for two in unions taking the fight directly to their douchebag mayors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 one, one thing that I really want to point out with this is that, like, this is now, like, the, I think the fourth illegal teacher strike that we've covered in Massachusetts. And I just want to highlight the fact that Massachusetts has this reputation. Is, oh, this is like one of the most progressive states. It's, it's Taxachusetts, or it, it, it's like the East Coast version of California, or whatever <laughs> stupid, like Tucker Carlson 
quip they're using. But like, that's just not true. Like the state makes it illegal for public workers to strike. Boston spends millions and millions of dollars on police to beat the shit out of minorities every year. Like it's a capitalist government. It fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. And so not just to let that law be on the books and be like, oh, that's an old law. We don't really enforce it now because we're progressive. No, no, no. The mayor was more than happy to weaponize the law banning teacher strikes against them. On Monday, the 30th, immediately as soon as the strike started, a state judge ordered the workers to end their strike and issued an injunction uh, demanding that they return to the classroom. Uh, The teachers were like, no, (laughs) we're striking. (laughs) That's the whole point. And so after three days, the judge ordered that the Woburn Teachers Association be fined $40,000 and $5,000 a day for each further day on strike. And then on Friday, the, the judge further issued an injunction against the state union body, the Massachusetts Teachers Association, to ban them from, quote, encouraging or condoning, end quote, Jesus. the strike. The, the MTA has said that they, are, they will be fighting to change the state law and make it so that teachers can legally strike alongside other public workers. But the progressive legislature has not really seemed to be indicating that, that they are likely to pass such a bill. It's uh, big air quotes on the word progressive there. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And uh, But once again, as usual, in response to these legal threats, these thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in fines, the teachers just badasses as always, just like, who cares? Fuck you. <laughs> We're fighting for the students. We don't care. And that's basically what they said. WTA president Barbara Locke, in response to questions about the fines from local news channel WCVB, said, quote, I'm not worried about paying for it. We're worried about the children. We're not worried about the fines. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It just feels like teachers and nurses, I feel like, have the best responses like to these sorts of things whenever they get pushed back on where they're just where whenever they're they're prefaced with like well the city's gonna come after you for striking oh well you be, guess you're gonna have to go back to work and i was just like no no we're not <laughs> this is important and we mean what we say and we're gonna stick to it and they did and so despite the fact that you have the the local admins and the media all attacking the workers for striking and trying to blame them, parents rallied alongside the teachers on the picket line, brought food, coffee, hand warmers to help teachers stay warm because last week was really cold. Uh, and some students joined teachers on the picket lines as well. And so the strike went on through Friday, shutting down the schools for a week. And the teachers were, they were open on social media posting like, look, we want, we don't want to be on strike next week. We want to get a deal. We're going to, we are negotiating in good faith. We'll negotiate all night if we have to. Uh, late Friday night, they, they said, hey, we, we're really close to a deal. We think we're making real progress. And then the mayor torpedoed the deal because it included standard return to work language that would prevent the city from retaliating against workers who struck. Instead, the, the, the mayor was just like, no, no, no. I have to be able to retaliate against the teachers. I'm not signing your new agreement if, if it says I can't do that. That's absolutely wild that like, because as you say, that is like totally normal return to work language. Like, hey, you can't retaliate on us for going out on strike. But I guess maybe the mayor feels emboldened by the fact like the strike is technically illegal or mm-hmm. something. 
Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's really kind of like sinister and evil to be like, actually, it's really important that we reserve the right to be arbitrarily punitive to whichever teachers we feel we should. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but negotiations did continue and late Sunday night, they did announce that they had reached a tentative agreement and will be back at work today, Monday, February 6th. The new deal does appeal to be a bit of a compromise. It's, but it is significantly better than what the city initially offered. It's a four-year deal instead of a three-year deal. Not ideal, but, you know. Uh, And teachers will receive an average raise of 3.25% per year of the contract instead of what they asked for at 4.5%. However, again, significantly higher than what the city was offering. But the big win here is for paraprofessionals, where the teachers stuck to their guns and they won the biggest gains for the lowest paid workers. By the end of this contract, paraprofessionals will see their salaries rise by 40%, to over $30,000. So, like, I mean, showing that the teachers are really out there, you know, for the people who are, like, most vulnerable, the students and the lowest-paid workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 10% a year with, I mean, not, that's, ignore the compounding math on that, you <laughs> right. know, but that's pretty good. Yeah, the one kind of bitter pill with the contract is 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 something that came entirely out of the intransigence of the mayor which is that in order to get the city to agree not to retaliate against individual teachers for striking the union had to agree to cover the city's costs for the strike of two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars including the cost to provide students with school lunches on struck days and police details and even the cost of, of a few, like, scabs to keep, like, just the buildings running while the teachers weren't there. I mean, I That's... really respect that these teachers did whatever it took to get back to work and get a deal. But, like, that is such an odious thing mm-hmm. to have included, to have to pay for the cops who beat you up and to pay for the scabs who steal your work while you're gone. Like, that's just horrendous. Yeah. Absolutely. And especially in the face of the Supreme Court ruling that's going to come down and try to make every single union do this for every Mm -hmm. single strike. uh, It really sucks that the, you know, companies and and even, you know, public entities are are kind of feeling emboldened to even make demands like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the wage raises that the teachers won will more than absorb this. They're going to like they can pay for this they'll it'll they'll be fine and they still made real real gains but this is it's just such bullshit Mm -hmm. and that's i think what really sucks and acrimony certainly remains on both sides at the press conference announcing that they'd agreed to a deal both sides were still going at each other wilburn mayor galvin attacked the massachusetts teachers association saying quote the mta encourages locals to try and hijack and use the strike as a bargaining chip and we weren't falling for it end quote which first of all that's what a strike is what else would it be they were doing this devious tactic where they stopped working until we agreed to demands (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then followed at the podium by max page president of the mta (laughs) who responded quote this is a very very small small petty individual who sits in that city hall facing incredibly righteous idealistic public servants here (laughs) and yeah i got to agree with the the head of the mta there (laughs) yeah 
Also, uh-huh. it must wound politicians so bad to be called small and petty. <laughs> That's precisely <laughs> what they got elected to office so they wouldn't be called. <laughs> yeah. So just want to say, you know, as always, hats off to these teachers for, you know, risking, taking real risks and and and, act, and paying dues like more than once here to win smaller class sizes for their students, better wages for the lowest paid workers at the school and, you know, a better future for themselves as well. So uh, also, and just very specifically, fuck the mayor of Woburn. This guy sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then in uh, our next story, we are going to be talking about the strike wave that the UK has seen. And we kind of reported on the up this upcoming event. And so... It was uh, on February 1st, this past Wednesday, that the actual, like, giant strike, the the biggest one since, like, 2011 happened in the UK, where 300,000 teachers, 100,000 civil servants, 100,000 bus and train drivers, 70,000 university workers, and thousands more across other industries went out on the biggest industrial action again since 2011 it was incredibly impressive to see the rail lines shut down schools close their doors the universities hold rallies in support of the workers as you know working class as the working class of the uk continued to unite and fight back against the class warfare of the soon of the rishi sunak government i mean grocery prices have soared by 16 percent in the month of January alone, as the Tories have unleashed this massive austerity policy against workers by attempting to ban many key sectors from striking, nearly 1 in 20 British households is struggling to afford food right now, and this is directly uh, as a result of Tory policies and the mm-hmm. fact that they are trying to ban striking at the same time just shows the absolute necessity of this giant labor action. Yeah. And the involvement of these hundreds of thousands of teachers was a really big new addition to the strike wave because most of the other workers involved in this have gone on sort of individual strikes on their own but this is by far the biggest coordinated day of action which is really great to see and so like national education union general secretaries dr mary Boosted and uh kevin courtney which i just want to make a side thing the dual general secretaries thing very cool I think mm-hmm. that's very neat. And I think like this sort of like two or maybe three like person thing is 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 an interesting structure. Kind of a Mario Kart focusing... double dash situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I drive, um, you throw the shell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they told the BBC that the that you know, when they approached the government about getting a better deal for the teachers, that the government was quote, unwilling to seriously engage with the causes of strike action. And End quote. And to get to those causes, teacher salaries in the UK have dropped by over 11% over the past decade under Tory rule for that entire time. So it's not like, oh, the salaries, like, you know, they're, they're barely keeping up with inflation. They just aren't. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's like, okay, you were essentially, let's say you were making $30,000, like, a, a year. That's $15 an hour equivalent. And then 10 years later, you figure, oh, I'll probably be making, I don't know, $40,000 or something, $50,000. And instead, you're making $25,000. Mm-hmm. 
That's essentially the situation that these teachers find themselves in. Well, and then, you know, even further than the government being unwilling to seriously engage with the causes of strike action, if anything, their response to this is to intensify the very things that are putting these workers in a position where they have to strike in the first place. Exactly. And in response, you know, you'd think the Tories might might take even just a slightly conciliatory response, just even if purely cynically to dial down the level of the class struggle. But no, instead, they have focused on attacking the teachers, saying that these this one-day strike <laughs> would make, quote, a significant impact on children's education, especially following the disruption of the past two years, end quote. Oh, my God. And I got to say, one of the most frustrating things out of the many innumerable frustrating things to come out of the atrocious failed response to the COVID pandemic from both the United States and the UK has been the weaponization of this concept of learning loss as a way to attack teachers to basically say that if a teacher ever goes on strike or is really just ever out of the classroom for any reason whatsoever, that they are violently attacking their students with a case of learning loss. I mean, that's at the exact same time as these governments make class sizes huge to the point where teachers can't individually even help students Mm -hmm. when the teachers are consistently demanding smaller class sizes and enough wages to actually live their lives so that they don't have to, you know, go home and either work a second job or do whatever they can to survive and actually have the time to take care of the students the government doesn't give a shit about that they they Mm -hmm. genuinely don't which is something that most if if people do care about learning loss those are much bigger factors than a couple days on strike to make sure that those kids have the resources they need because the teachers have the resources they need a hundred percent absolutely right and thankfully you know this one big day isn't just a big, you know, big explosion that nothing happens. Like the workers are planning ahead for more and more of these strikes and more workers are joining the fight. The fire brigades union voted this past week of over 80% to authorize strike action across the entire UK. If a deal is not reached to increase their pay, like so many other public workers in the United Kingdom since 2010, firefighters have seen their real wages drop in in their case by 12% and they've seen their workforce slash by 20%. So not only have their wages gone down, the amount of work has gone up. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing I was surprised at, granted, I don't know how much firefighters make here in the U.S. Literally no idea. But I was surprised to find out that salaries for firefighters in the U.K. max out, not start at, but max out the equivalent of 40,000 U.S. dollars. For people who you want on call at 2 a.m. to run into a building, burning building. Yeah, and, and save people. And, and compare that to how much they're paying their cops. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You have the people who save lives getting paid dog shit, and the people whose only purpose is to oppress people getting, you know, a huge amount of money. And of course, you know, we are not surprised that those are the priorities of a capitalist state, but it is still disgusting. Yeah. Well, I mean, here in the United States, I think most fire departments aren't even paid. They're just volunteers. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And so the firefighters union will continue negotiating, even though they've made they've had their authorization for a strike mm-hmm. vote, but they could strike as early as February 23rd. So just a couple of weeks if no deal is reached. And so uh, Matt Rack, the general secretary of the FBU, told the BBC that politicians, quote, need to wake up and wise up to the level of anger among their employees about falling real pay in the fire service. They clearly have misjudged the mood, and now they best move. Otherwise, we'll be setting strike dates. <laughs> he got right to the point, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, like... No, I love it. I, if your firefighters oh. are on strike, there could be massive repercussions to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and other unions have also announced future strike dates. Healthcare workers are going to strike for three days this week and six more days throughout the month. RMT workers plan to strike, I believe, the entire week of the 13th, which would be, I believe, the longest period that they've shut down the rails. And then Royal Mail workers, the posties, have also announced more strikes with another nationwide uh, postal worker strike on February 17th. So love to see all this. Uh, but honestly, I think, you know, the the big one-day strike on February 1st, love that. Uh, let's keep making them even bigger because mm-hmm. I've, these individual strikes are effective on their own, clearly. They have, are clearly really antagonizing the Tory government. But they're even more effective when they come together like Voltron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would like to encourage that. Right. Uh, and And – Especially because, unfortunately, the Tories continue to show complete intransigence in the face of this and have shown no signs whatsoever that they are actually recognizing how deep the cost of living crisis is and how, how harsh that, it, that is affecting the working class. So I think we're going to need to see more and bigger escalations if we're actually going to get them out of there and, exactly. and get fairer policies in. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a really high amount of industrial action to reach the brain of someone like Jacob Rees-Mogg, who, when, <laughs> yes. when the anti-strike law was proposed said something like i support the aim of the bill but it's badly written that's what level of priority (laughs) these people are on wow yeah i mean every single time we report on this and the escalations that the workers are forced into and the again intransigence of the tories just makes me very sad that the fucking predictions for the uk are guaranteed to come true (laughs) yeah well i mean i hope so there's always the option that there's these massive strikes and that doesn't happen but i don't see that i don't see that as a very likely possibility but what is a likely possibility is the meme review that's right (laughs) (laughs) i don't have a segue that makes sense so that made sense (laughs) i mean i wait hold on write to us on the discord to let us know if that made sense Please do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> so our first meme, I love this one. This is another one of those uh, like old timey, like early 20th century memes that is unfortunately equally relevant today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it, the tweet, at least that I saw for this said that this was from the early 20th century. I don't actually know. This is a little comic drawn by, I guess, Steve Hyde. And it's a, a woman with a, uh, with some spectacles and she's drawn with her arms folded and then she's got kind of like cartoonish little stick legs and it's, it's captioned militant Mary. And then it's just this little rhyme. I'm overworked. I'm underpaid. I'm sick and no one cares. My friends, there's murder in my heart when I see millionaires. (laughs) That's a nice little limerick. Hell yeah. 
That's what that so is, weird. right? It's, it's considered uh, a sure. I don't know the difference between like a couplet and a limerick and a rhyme. <laughs> you know, jump in the Discord. Let us know the difference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, and the next it's one in the is common a, meter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> next one is a Seinfeld meme. Uh, actually, you know what? Someone who's watched Seinfeld should do this one. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. So this is uh, George talking to Jerry, and he says, I'm not lazy, Jerry. And then he has, he has he's on his way out the apartment. He says, I just don't enjoy making capitalists rich. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love the Same look on George. his face in the second one because he's really just like matter of fact, eye to eye, like making strong <laughs> eye contact. Like, I mean this, and I'm walking out. well and it's also it's the classic george like expression of like oh well jerry's criticizing me for being shitty about something well i've thought of the cleverest comeback (laughs) (laughs) yeah and though in this case it's correct (laughs) yeah absolutely and then one that i really liked that i saw this week which i feel like i might have seen at a previous time in my life maybe not too long ago but uh, i just i still really liked it it's got this very uh like sega genesis kind of look to it with uh someone's feet up on a table just looking out the window with the sunlight pouring in and uh it just says the workers are more powerful with their hands in their pockets than all of the property of the capitalists which i do just kind of like these little uh these little uh you know worker power memes that are, are nice and simple. In fact, there are two of them in this uh, this week's meme review. Um, but yeah, it's just a kind of a, a pleasant looking photo and also says that uh, stopping work, more powerful than owning a building. Yeah, well, it kind of echoes one of my favorite Max Stirner quotes. I don't whip those out that much anymore. But he said, uh, <laughs> the laborers have the most enormous power in their hands, and if they once became thoroughly conscious of it and used it, nothing would withstand them. They would only have to stop labor, regard the product of labor as theirs, and enjoy it. Hell yeah. Which is like, he glosses over all the organizing that it, it takes to do <laughs> that, but he is right, ultimately. <laughs> Skipping a few steps, but the overall uh, idea, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in that same vein, we've got another one of these kind of like wholesome communist oh. memes. That's the cover art for the Super Nintendo game Secret of Mana. Is it? it? Yeah. I thought is. that looked familiar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's the cover art for the Secret of Mana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in the Discord if you like Secret of Mana. It's a great game. <laughs> With the caption, it's no secret. The workers of the world make everything over this picture of, of you know, a, of like basically you've got this gorgeous, gigantic tree and this forest scene with a, a very small, like, group of kids like in, in in front of it just showing the scale of the creation that workers make yeah absolutely and then uh the last meme for this week <laughs> is a fish and I, does, <laughs> do you know what kind of fish this is it looks like a like a r- river salmon or something like that i don't know i'm gonna say it's uh, a grouper because i think that's the funniest fish name <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not uh, a coelacanth, one of the only fish that I can recognize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this one says, "Buy a man, eat fish. He day. Teach fish man to a lifetime." And wow. I think those are words that we can live by. <laughs> yeah, agree. So true. <laughs> 
And also, why did they call it oven if you oven the hot food, oven the cold food, oven hot, eat the food? That's right. Oh, I love that. That's right. I got to say, not this one because it's not that many words. I will admit a certain fondness for those types of like the the memes that I feel like rep like replicate the f- like the feeling of looking at an eldritch horror yeah. <laughs> where it's 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 the words don't make sense but they look like they make sense you have to read it like six times to realize it's not a full sentence yeah if you yeah. only read any three or four <laughs> words at a time everything checks out but once you do the whole sentence you're like i am more confused than when i started <laughs> it, it, it's like the text version of those ai generated images that where there is no image yeah and it's all just bl- shapes blended together. Yeah, and it's like supposed to simulate what it's like to have a stroke or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that this is it's great for kids these days who want to make up their own language for passing notes. You know, you just like AI generate sure. some some shapes and uh, you know give it some meaning. It's a little advice to all of the children listening to this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But please don't. Yeah. <laughs> With that, we are going to wrap for this episode. We want to thank you for listening. And if you'd like to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash workstoppage as an entirely listener-supported show. That is how we keep this show sustainable. And then also you can share these episodes with your friends, your family, your news feed. You can post it basically anywhere. Jump in the Discord. I've already mentioned that one, actually. Uh, write us a review somewhere. Follow John on Twitter at FacebookVillain. Follow the pod at WorkStoppagePod. Listen to Beep Beep Lettuce. Listen to Red Game Table. And as always, labor peace is not in our interest. And solidarity forever. Solidarity. Solidarity, everybody.
Hello! What a beautiful sight! Welcome to Westminster, the house of fools and the house of the corrupt. Last year, Grant Shapps, remember him? He's still around, lurking around all these buildings around here, running the government, telling Rishi Sunak what to do, trying to ban the working class. He was telling the media that the railway workers have got no friends, that would be back at work, and how dare we ask for a pay rise when teachers can't afford to live, when nurses are a more deserving case, when public sector workers can't get a pay deal. And our message then, as it is today, every worker needs a pay rise, every worker needs a square deal. And our message is both this, we demand and we are united. We will not be divided on the basis of who we work for. We will not be divided on the basis of our belief or the colour of our skin or the part of the country we're from. We are the working class. We are back. We are here. We are demanding change. We refuse to be poor and we are going to win for our people on our terms. So let the message go out. This is a London-only demonstration. There are marches and demonstrations throughout the country. More workers will join us. More ballots will come forward. More demands will be made. And in all that time, this government of the corrupt and the incompetent will seek to obscure the issues. The issue is they are responsible for your poverty and they have got to solve it. And if they're not able to, they need to get out of the way now. Let's get a general election on and let's get a new government that acts on behalf of our people. So I hope you enjoyed your day out today. It's been great to see so many new people coming into our movement, coming into our campaigns, on strike for the first time ever. We're not going to win it in one day. We're going to win it by staying the course. We're going to have to dig in. We're going to have to fight for our future. This is the fight of our generation, and it's a fight for our whole people. So let's pledge ourselves. Stick together. Solidarity to the workers. Victory to the working people. Up the unions. Victory for us. Victory for our people. Forward together. Thank you very much.